Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, But welcome again, and we're glad that you're here. We're starting a new series today uh, in our new series called Resistance, as you can tell. Along with our series is a 21-day fast, and I'm kind of tying those two things in together. Uh, if, if you want if you've never done a fast before, uh, we, we suggest that you do a Daniel fast, which is basically uh, going off of meats and sugars, and we have little forms out in the back that you can grab a hold of, and you can uh, follow a Daniel fast. You might wonder, why do you fast? Why, why, what's the whole purpose of fasting? The whole idea is to take uh, our perspective off ourselves and put our perspective back on God. And sometimes it's just really good for a period of time to go on to a fast. Sometimes it might be fasting TV or social media. or You don't have to just fast food. You can fast something else as well. But we encourage you to do so because our goal in this church is to always create an environment to see what God can do through our lives. And one of the ways that we can create an environment in our lives is through fasting. Today as we begin this new series... The purpose of this sermon series is to help us to build a resistance to the schemes and the plan of the enemy. Many times in life, we forget that we have an adversary. I have said this over and over again in many of my messages, that we do have an enemy. There's churches out there that sometimes don't talk about the devil. I don't like to spend a lot of time on the devil, but I do want you to recognize that there is an enemy out there. For even Jesus says in John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come to give you abundant life. And so we need to step into the understanding that we do have an adversary, that we do have an enemy, but we have a God that loves us, that wants to set us up for success. He wants to give us life, and we need to step into that understanding of that God is for us. He's not against us. Your enemy is against you. He is not for you. But God is for you, and he's not against you. Let's walk into that. Peter writes these words in 1 Peter 5, 8. He says, be be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour I don't share this to scare everyone. I don't share this that we should run in fear. Because if you have Jesus on your side, you win. If you have your faith in Jesus Christ, you win. But I share this to remind us that we need to be aware that the enemy is out there. That he is trying to disrupt your life. That he is trying to seek you out. and And so don't give him an opportunity. How do we resist the enemy? It's our responsibility to build up a resistance to the plans of the enemy. The Bible gives us some great direction on how we can accomplish this in our life. For example, in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul gives specific instructions to the church at Corinth. They they needed to forgive a man who was in the church that had sinned against them, that had done some really bad things against the church, but it was time to forgive this man. And the Apostle Paul writes them that, you know what, you need to forgive this man and love this man. And Paul finishes his instructions about that in 2 Corinthians 2.11. He finishes by saying, so that Satan will not outsmart us. That Satan will not outsmart us. I share that to bring awareness that the devil schemes are not always obvious. 
The Apostle Paul had to remind the Corinthian church that, guys, you need to forgive, that you need to love. Don't forget that's important, that's a requirement, that's part of the law is to love one another. A great plan of attack is one that is deceptive. It's an attack that happens in an area of our life that we're not expecting it. That's what warfare is all about. This is what made the attack on Pearl Harbor so, so effective, was that we were not expecting the attack to take place in Hawaii in Pearl Harbor. We thought we were safe for the most part. Most people thought that our naval ship was safe, but it wasn't. It made it effective. 9-11, great another example. What made it so effective is that we were not expecting all of a sudden someone to hijack commercial airlines and fly them into buildings. We were not expecting that. The devil's schemes is like in a warfare. Many times he uses unconventional ways that are not expected. We are watching out for the big tax. We're watching out for the big things. Adultery. Murder. When was the last time you committed a murder, okay? Adultery. Murder. We're looking out for those things. You know, hatred. But he attacks also in areas that are much less expected and sometimes much more effective. Unforgiveness, guilt, shame, self-worth. Many times his effective attacks are less outward, but they have to deal with things that are more inward. Those things in our life that are secret to us alone. Those things in our life that are not open to everyone else to see. Most of us think that no one else knows what I'm thinking. So this area of my life is safe. This is a safe area of my life because no one else knows. It's the deception of the enemy to try to influence our thinking, which will influence our actions, which will influence our emotions. He tries to attack us from the inside, not always from the outside. He tries to get into our thinking and attack our minds. He did it to Adam and Eve. Did he not? He, did, he attacked their thoughts. He did it with Cain, their son, and he continues to do it today. So during the next three weeks, short, short series, call it a mini-series, resistance, we're going, to, we're going to talk about fasting, but I want to share about some biblical truths on how we can develop a greater resistance to the schemes of the devil. James writes these words in James chapter 4, verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So I know it's a basic question, but how do we resist the devil? I know that, hey, Pastor Tom, why are you so, but I see people on a regular basis struggling with this whole concept, with this whole idea of resisting the devil. So we're going to talk about it. And today I want to start off with building a foundation. And the first thought that I want to just, we're going to build a foundation. How do we resist the devil? This week is foundation building. And the first thought I want to share with you is very simple. Believe that God is real and his word is true. Believe that God is real and his word is true. You will never submit to God if you do not believe that God is real. If you are always questioning God, then you will always struggle with the idea of submitting to God. We will always think that somehow I know better than God. You might not say that out loud. You might not make that public announcement, but you're thinking it in your mind. I know what the Word says. I know that the Bible says this, 
but I, and then you fill in the blank. This is the deception of pride, to think that we know better than God. Therefore, our thought life is key to not only resisting the devil, but to submitting to God. Remember what it says, submit to God. See, the key for our thought life is not just to resist the devil, but the key for our thought life is also the ability to submit to God. Many times we focus so much on correcting our sinful thought life that we miss out on the whole opportunity for just righteous thinking. We focus so much on what we're doing wrong, and Jesus, man, I got I, I to go here. I keep going here over and over and over. Why do you think Jesus died on the cross? Why do you think he died on the cross? It was for your sins. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be repentive. When you've sinned, you should repent to God. But then leave it behind and start walking forward. Stop thinking about that and start living in his righteousness. Start thinking about right things. The apostle Paul tells us this. He says, think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. To fix our thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. What are your thoughts fixed on? Are they, are they fixed on the mistakes that you made this yesterday? Are they fixed on the things that you made mistakes? See, we need to learn to forgive. Not just others, but to forgive ourselves. Because when we forgive, when we accept the forgiveness of God into our lives, all of a sudden, we are set free to move forward. And in that process, we are resisting the enemy. We are resisting the temptation of the devil. Submitting our minds to God. It requires humility. It requires understanding that God knows more. It's recognizing that there's a greater power, there's a greater force in your life, and you're choosing to submit your life under his power and under his authority. That's good stuff right there. Let me give you an example, just to bring it down to earth. Just to bring down to earth. Get it? Uh, anyhow, just to bring down to earth. There are many people who struggle with human authority, and they're unwilling to submit to it. I'm not saying that all authority is good, but most likely if God has put authority over or in your life, there is a reason for it. And so many times as humans, we, have, we struggle with submitting to human authority. But catch this thought. I'm throwing it out for you to catch today. If you never submit to that authority, then you will never gain the benefit of that authority. It was really good. If you never submit to that authority, you will not benefit from that authority. Many people wonder why life is so difficult for them. And I believe in some cases, it's because they're unwilling to submit to the authority that God has placed in their life. They act like they're submitting to authority. They walk around thinking that, man, I'm submitting. But in reality, when all of a sudden something comes up against them that they don't like, guess what happens? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But maybe God's put that authority in your life for a reason, and you need to submit it. A great example is law enforcement. Now, I understand that not all police officers are good. But the, there is just the ones that are bad is so rare. 
They're far and few between. For the most part, the greater good, the police officers are, are, are much better. They're good. They're, they're looking out for your interests. They're trying to help. They're trying to protect. They're trying to serve our lives. I get it. But catch this thought. If you choose not to submit to their authority, then you will miss out on the benefit of their authority. Think about it. Think about living in a world that had no police, that had no protection, that had no authority. It would be chaos. They provide a protection for our lives. If we're willing to, they even provide it even if you don't submit to their authority. But you might end up going to jail. We need to submit to the authority that is around us. If you want to develop a greater resistance to the enemy, then your first step is this. Submit to God's authority. It's choosing to believe that God is real and that his word is true. Anytime you choose to submit to one direction, catch this thought. Anytime you choose to submit to one direction, it requires that you resist the other direction. Does that make sense? Anytime you choose to submit to one direction, it requires that you start to resist the other. I'm talking about resistance. It's not up there, but I'm, so what I'm talking about is resistance. When we submit to God's authority, then we are saying yes to God and we're saying no to the devil. It doesn't mean that we'll never struggle. It doesn't mean that, we don't have, that we're not tempted. It doesn't mean that we don't struggle with unbelief. But it's in those times that we have to learn what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10.5. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When was the last time you've taken a, cap- a thought captive? This would be a great time during this 21-day time of prayer and fasting that when you're struggling with a thought to all of a sudden just take it captive no longer allow it to destroy your life but you take that captive and you put it under the word of God and you start confessing the word of God in your life and you drown out that because what you're doing there is you're resisting the enemy second thing it's called faith by the way it's choosing to believe in the word of God second thing I want to share with you today Believe that God is good and has a plan for you. If you don't believe in the promise that God is good, then you will have a very difficult time in following or submitting to God. You will always be questioning every difficulty that you face. Why would God allow this to happen? That's what the questions. You'll be asking those questions. Any I'm not saying that everything that happens in life is good. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that the nature of God is good. And so what happens is when bad things take place in life, what we, we start doing is we start, why would God allow that to happen? Why would, why would God allow natural disasters? Why does God allow evil things to happen? Why does God, why does God even allow devil to tempt us? Why, why does God allow evil people to do bad things? When you watch the news and you go, why does God allow that? Why does God allow certain birth defects? Why, why does God allow sickness? How can I believe that God is good if all these other things exist? These are the questions that we all have to deal with at times in our lives. We have to deal with them as Christians as we follow God. We have to wrestle with those thoughts. But if we don't, catch this, if we don't believe that God is good, if we don't believe that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, then what is the purpose of resisting temptation? 
Why do we even try if we don't believe that God is good? And I believe there's some people that are struggling in that area. They don't see, they don't understand it. And this is where I say, this is where faith must enter into the equation. As God has created a world that requires faith. Like it or not, that's the world he's created. He's created a world that requires faith. From the very beginning, when God spoke to Adam and Eve, he said, guess what, guys? You can have complete dominion over this garden. But there is a tree in the middle of the garden called the tree of good and evil that you must resist, that you must not take or partake of it because it will lead to death. He shares the word, but Adam and Eve don't have the faith, catch this, they don't have the faith to believe God's word. They walk right into temptation. What was the temptation, you might ask? This, this thing, that this, this snake, we don't even know what the snake looked like at that point because it wasn't, it wasn't crawling because it says in the scripture God cursed it so it ran across his belly. So maybe it had legs, I don't know what it was. But it tempted Adam and Eve in this area. Maybe you don't know the better plan. Maybe God is holding out on you. If you just try that tree, if you just try one piece of that fruit, maybe something great is going to happen in your life and God is just holding out on you. And see, that at that point, Adam and Eve chose not to step into faith with God's word. Guess what happened? They all of a sudden disobeyed God's word and they ate of the fruit. And it caused sin to enter into their lives and it's caused sin to enter into our lives. Why would God create a world that allowed for sin? And why would God create a world that required faith? Because God created a world with choices. It's a world where we can choose to believe or not to believe. It's not a pre-programmed world where choices are made for us. It's a world that at times is full of difficulty. It's a world that we must navigate by faith. Think about it. Faith is never tested without difficulty. Love is never really tested without having choices. This is what makes faith real. It's our ability to choose even during the most difficult of times. It's in those difficulties that our obedience has to step beyond our reasoning and enter into the realm of faith. God never promised that this life would be easy, but it will be rewarding if you're willing to step out in faith. We got to, one of the greatest ways that we resist the enemy is by faith in God's word. Think about this. The greatest love that, The greatest love is the love that requires faith. And the greatest obedience is the obedience that requires faith. Throughout the Bible, we can read stories after stories after stories of men and women in the Bible who, guess what, had their faith tested. They had to step out in faith. Even Jesus was tested in the wilderness. To resist the devil, you have to come to a place in your faith where you believe in the goodness of God and the plan of God, even when you don't understand or cannot comprehend his plan. You have to step out in faith. And other choice, any other choice, is a choice towards self-reliance. 
It's a choice towards pride. It's not a choice toward choosing God. Job's life is one of the greatest examples of faith. In the midst of the most difficult times of his life when he lost everything, including his family, tremendous evil that was taking place. According to the Bible, Job was a righteous man who feared God, and yet evil was allowed to come upon his life, losing everything. His faith was being tested. He had to make a choice to either choose to trust in God or choose to abandon God. It was a choice that he had to make. When life was completely falling apart, when life looked like there was no good, catch this, what happens when bad things happen in your life? Do you just fall away from God? What happens when all of the, because guess what? Can I just share something with everybody here today? Just maybe it might, might be a spoil alert for your life, but bad things are going to happen. It's inevitable. It's going to take place. There's going to be a death in the family. You're going to lose your job. Maybe you're going to lose your house. There's just things that are going to happen in life. That's just part of life. It just is. But how do we respond to the difficulties of life? How do we respond? We respond in faith. We respond by trusting God. Living in a world where there is no testing means living in a world where there is no choice. And faith that is never tested is trivial faith with little value. If you want to build greater resistance against the enemy, then make a choice to believe in God's goodness and in God's plan for your life, no matter what difficulties you might face. The Apostle Paul writes these words, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. And if our hope, such a powerful verse right here, catch this thought. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Man, that is so powerful right there. Let me read it again. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Meaning this, we need to start seeing beyond our troubles and temptations of this life and start looking into eternity where our real hope is founded, where our hope is lasted. One of the ways that we resist temptation is by focusing beyond the earthly life that is only temporary. Don't forget that. This is not a permanent life. In this life right now, eternity is permanent, but not in the way we currently look at it right now. It's only temporary. And we need to start focusing on life that is eternal. Because when you start focusing on life that is eternal, guess what? It's going to help you to resist the temptation that is only temporary. Did you catch that? If you start focusing on life that is eternal, the benefit of life that is eternal, it will help you to start to resist the temptations that are here in this temporary life. My life goes beyond the borders of this world. I want, I, man, this is the time we need this. Spaceship coming out. It goes beyond the borders of this world. Through Jesus Christ, there is no border. There is no barricade between me and heaven. Amen. Not through the blood of Jesus. Not through his righteousness. There is no barricade. We have to start using our eyes of faith to see beyond the temporary and start seeing the eternal. Paul writes these words. Set your minds on things above, not on the earthly things. We get so caught up on the temporary 
world that we forget about eternity. We forget about our future. We stop living. We stop living for beyond. Remember what Paul says. If our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we of all people are to be pitied. This is a foundation of the Christian life. To believe beyond the temporary. To believe beyond the temporary. C.S. Lewis wrote these words. Love these words. In fact, I put them on the screen for you. I think I did. Did I not? Yeah. He wrote these words. You will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. Wow. Those who do most for this world, meaning this, to let people know that God loves them, to share the good news of Jesus Christ to other people who are lost, to give hope to people who are hopeless. The ones that do most of this is because they have their focus on eternity. They don't have their focus on the temporary things of this life. Guess what? They see what's happening next and beyond because we have a Savior that life does not end when we have our faith in Jesus Christ. It's time to see that our hope goes beyond this world and into eternity. The last thought that I want to share with you today is this, on resisting temptation. Believe that God loves you and that his love wins. Believe, if you want to resist temptation, these are foundational steps to start off with in resisting temptation. Believe that God loves you and that his love wins. This goes along with the thought that God is good, but it goes way beyond that. You see, one of the foundations on learning how to resist temptation is to believe God loves you. You may be sitting here today and you know that God loves you, and that's really, really good. I am so glad that you know that God loves you. But I'm telling you right now today that there's people sitting in this audience right now that don't understand that God loves them. They might say it, but they don't get it. They struggle with that whole concept that God loves them. Why would God choose to love me? God, I don't think you know who I am. If you truly knew who I was, God, you wouldn't love me like God doesn't know everything. How could God love me? It's one of the greatest deceptions that the enemy uses against our life is to put a seed of doubt into our life that God doesn't love you. Maybe that seed was planted in your life as a child. Maybe some authority, teacher, maybe whatever, counselor, maybe parent shared with you that, you know what, maybe a parent said to you, I don't love you. Maybe someone told you that God doesn't love, how could God love, I've seen it in the markets, I've seen it in the shopping centers, I've seen people tell their children stupid things, damaging things, horrible things. And that seed has planted and it just is rooted in your life. And I'm here to declare to you today, without a shadow of a doubt, you need to know and you need to stand on this truth that God absolutely adores you and he loves you. Why would he create you if he didn't? He loves you. He adores you. He wants you in his life. During this fast, if that's an area that you've been struggling with, man, I encourage you 
Just take 21 days and read God's word and pray and allow the love of God to change your life. Maybe you've done a lot of things wrong. Maybe you've done a lot of bad things. And if people truly knew what you've done, those secret things that are only you know, if they truly knew, if that actually got out, people wouldn't love me, love me anymore. And what happens, we transfer that, that thought we transfer to God. If God really knew what I did, like God doesn't know already, if God really knew, he would never love me. It's hard to resist temptation if you don't believe God loves you, that he has a purpose for your life. It's important to understand and demand to put that truth as a foundation in your life. God's love for you, catch this thought. It's really important. I need you to catch this. Write it down. God's love for you is not dependent upon your beliefs. God's love for you is not dependent on what you believe. You don't have to believe it, but God loves you. Your belief in God's love is not for his benefit, it's for yours. Your belief in God's love is not for his benefit. It's for your benefit. We all need to know that we are loved. Your belief or unbelief doesn't change God's love for you. It only changes how you respond to his love. See, you can choose not to believe that God loves you, but he still loves you. Or you can choose to believe that God does love me. And the only difference between the two is how you're going to respond to his love. You're going to either respond to reject his love or you're going to respond to embrace his love. And when you choose to embrace his love, guess what? You've just put a foundation in your life on how you can resist the temptations of the enemy. Because when you know that you are loved by God, it's going to be much harder for you to fall into temptation. When you truly understand that God is absolutely crazy about you in a good way. He adores you. Jesus has given us life by giving his life for our sins. And there is no greater love. The Apostle Paul came to understand God's love. Despite Paul calling himself the chief of sinners because he opposed the early church so viciously. And despite the many sufferings that he endured after that, when he was called by Christ, Paul lived a hard life, a difficult life. He suffered greatly. Despite all those things, Paul writes these words. They're words that are found in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. And I just want to read this, these words to you as we conclude today. What then shall we say in response to these things? Paul's talking about the hardships, the difficulties of life. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Who can stand up against God? Basically, was Paul saying, who can bring any type of charge against me if God has chosen me? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Boy, you guys aren't getting excited enough about this whole thing right here this you don't get this no one can condemn you if God has chosen you because God is the greatest
If you're living under his righteousness, no one can condemn you. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our God wins. He wins. It's over. Done. Capiche. It's over. He wins. Now, walk in it. Believe it. Believe it. Believe that God's word is true. Believe that God is real. Believe that God is for you. He's not against you. Believe that God's love is for you. And guess what? When you start believing, you'll start resisting the temptations in your life in a greater way. You will walk into a greater power than you've ever experienced before when you start walking in faith to believe no matter what you might see physically put your eyes your new put on some new glasses take off the old put on the new so that you can see clearly what God is doing for you it's not about this temporary life guys and I know he closed the birds of the or closed the birds of the air no I don't think closed but whatever it goes the scripture he feeds the birds of the air Thank you. He cares for us while we live on this earth. There's no doubt about that. But this earth is only temporary. Don't get so focused on this. That's why we're doing the fast. It's taking our eyes off the temporary and putting our eyes on the eternal. If you want to resist temptation of the enemy, then believe. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. You thank you, we thank you, God, that your word is powerful. It's inspired by your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, today that your word will come alive to us in a greater way than ever before. That, God, even as we commit to this 21 days of fasting, whatever type of fast that everyone chooses to do, that as we commit to that fast in our life, Lord, I pray today that miracles, Lord God, will start happening. Miracles of people feeling loved. Miracles of people finding forgiveness. Miracles that is life-changing so that, Lord God, we understand who you are in our life in a greater way than we've ever understood before. That, God, we will embrace who you are. And, Lord God, that you will give us the power, the power of resistance the power to resist those things, Lord God, that sometimes are so appealing, but they're not of you. And I pray, God, today that you would give us that ability in every way I pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. I haven't done this for a while, but I feel just prompted today. 
if you're here today and you just never made a commitment to Christ and you're listening to the words that I'm preaching you say man Pastor Tom I need to make that commitment I need to choose to follow Jesus and you want to make that commitment today raise your hand real high because I want to I want to see your hand real high if you're making that commitment today hallelujah Jesus I see that second if you're here today and you've been struggling in your life you've been trying to resist temptation but it just feels like it's getting the you're losing the battle you feel like sometimes you're getting overwhelmed no shame in the game I'm not I'm not trying to shame anybody it just it can happen to each and every one of us it happens to me There's times in my life I think man I call myself Westerfield when those things happen. Westerfield, what's wrong with you? And I'm focused too much on me and not enough on him. And then I have to switch it back around again. And if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Tom, I want this 21-day fast to change my life. And it's not the fast that's going to change your life. It's God that's going to change your life. But you want to make a commitment today that you're going to do, you're going to dive into God's word, that you're going to believe and choose to believe that God is real, that His Word is true, that His love is real, and it's for me and not against me. And you want to see a change in your life like never before. I want you to step out in faith and just raise your hand real high. And I want to pray with everybody here today that you're, man, Pastor Tom, I've been struggling with doubts. I've been struggling with sin. I've been struggling with whatever it might be. And you want to, man, you just want to be set free. Lord Jesus, you see the hands that are raised today. And I pray by the power of Jesus that God, as we make this step of faith, a commitment towards you, that you would help us take our eyes off the temporary and put our eyes on the eternal. And that, Lord God, you will do a work in and through our lives that will set us free in a greater way than ever before. I pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God good? All the time he is good thank you so much for being here today and being a part of the start of this series i believe over the next 21 days i'm believing for my own life that god's going to do great things in my life it's not that god isn't great all the time it's just me connecting to god in a greater way that all of a sudden i see his greatness you know what i'm saying that's what it's all about amen thanks for listening to the south coast christian podcast We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.